Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about the now defunct Trump University. I've already spoken about the many MLMs of Donald Trump he's been involved with more and more over the years. And in that episode, many of you wanted me to talk about Trump University. So here we are finally. And before I get a swarm of comments saying, oh, Blair, you're only talking about Trump. Why don't you talk about Biden? Let me just go on and say that this is a corporate casket. This is where bad businesses go to die, not politicians I agree or disagree with. If Biden was involved in a shady MLM, I would have covered him and believe me, I looked extensively and it doesn't exist. The best I found was Kamala Harris, which I think I talked about two weeks ago, I think. But anyway, I tend to talk about businesses that have gone bad and Trump University happens to be one of them. If you can't separate the politics from the business choices that we're gonna be discussing today, that's a you problem, not a me problem. So with that being said, let's get into it. Trump University was created as a real estate training program by a man named Michael Sexton. Originally, Michael approached Trump looking to use his name, as we saw with the Trump network in the previous episode about Trump's MLM specifically. However, in this case, Trump didn't just want his name on the project, but he actually wanted to be involved. After all, Michael Sexton was a Dartmouth educated management consultant, and they intended to have well-structured courses with faculty members that were already prominent professors in major universities. So it was bound to be fantastic, right? In 2004, Trump, Sexton, and a non-party individual incorporated Trump University LLC as a New York limited liability company. For those of you who may not know what an LLC is, it's a legal entity that can be used to form a business, a way of keeping you as an individual and your business separate in very basic terms. This other individual has been named as Jonathan Spitalny in other sources. So we've got these three founders, Trump, Sexton, and Spitalny, starting a company that offers real estate, asset management, entrepreneurship, and wealth creation courses. Sexton and Spitalny, however, weren't even as involved as Trump really, as we'll soon find out. Though it was called Trump University, it wasn't an accredited university or college in any sense of the word. It held three and five day seminars labeled as retreats where it used high pressure sales tactics to sell courses, some that cost as much as $35,000. Trump University may have held initial free seminars, but many have argued it was simply the first step in a bait and switch to convince students to enroll in increasingly expensive seminars. The first three-day one costing about $1,500 and then the Advanced Gold Elite program being the $35,000 one. NPR states, the school was created in Trump's image from Trump branded promotional materials to speakers who talked about how to get ahead the Trump way right down to the theme of The Apprentice. Doesn't sound like a college. As Polyfact noted, it wasn't a real university and had to change the name to Trump Entrepreneur Institute because of that. It was largely a seminar program that promised to teach its students the real estate secrets that turned Trump into a billionaire. The name had to be changed after the New York State Department of Education objected in 2005 to it using university because it was not actually chartered as one or licensed to instruct or train students. So that's a bit of a yikes, that happened real fast. Are we, what, less than 10 minutes into this one? Good gravy. One year into operating, they were told, hey, please don't call yourselves a university because that's pretty obviously misleading. And things fell apart rather quickly from there. 
Trump University was supposed to be online, but in almost no time at all, they morphed into a make a quick buck seminars with high power sales gimmicks as New York Daily News phrases it. Trump was a publicity machine. Students were told they'd get rich quick and advertisements promised students would quote, get Trump's personal attention and training from handpicked experts. Just one advert easily proves this. Trump emphasized that he handpicked these experts himself and if you can't learn from them, you won't be successful. The biggest step towards success is signing up at Trump University, he insists. Terrific, terrific people, terrific brains, successful. We are going to have the best of the best. And honestly, if you don't learn from them, if you don't learn from me, if you don't learn from the people that we're going to be putting forward, and these are all people that are handpicked by me, then you're just not gonna make it in terms of the world. Trump himself insists that even though he went to the best business school, this one is going to be better. It won't take years off your life and it'll be a better education. Already, I'm extremely skeptical for pretty obvious reasons. First of all, if you create such a fantastic business school, why not be accredited? Why not offer that to your students so they can have a degree afterwards? Secondly, there's a reason that education takes time. I wouldn't want to have my surgeon have graduated from some fantastic medical school in a weekend. And while someone's literal life may or may not be on the line here, I highly doubt Trump can cram all of that information into several three to five day seminars. Wouldn't the reputable professors he's hiring know this as well? And that leads into my third point is how reputable can these professors actually be if they're agreeing to this? It sounds like a diploma mill without the actual diploma. So were the teachers misled in this? Anyway, I've got tons of doubts and questions already as I'm sure you can tell, but before we even get into any of the lawsuits or the issues that arose, I want to see if the seminar truly helped people. Was it useful? Was it worth the money? Let's see from those who attended and the review websites had to say at the time. According to the BBB, during the period when Trump University appeared to be active in the marketplace, BBB received multiple customer complaints about this business. These complaints affected the Trump University BBB rating, which was as low as D minus in 2010, the nonprofit said in a statement on Tuesday. As the company appeared to be winding down after 2013, no new complaints were reported. Complaints over three years old automatically rolled off of the business review according to the BBB policy. As a result, over time, Trump University's BBB rating went to an A in July, 2014, and then an A plus in January, 2015. Trump University clearly had a lot of issues if their rating was this poor. And frankly, I wonder why the BBB just wouldn't close their page or freeze that score if they went out of business for the score to improve years later is a bit frustrating because as we saw, Trump can state that his business had an A rating and be technically correct, even if it wasn't really true. As for the experiences, they certainly seem more well-suited to that D minus rating than an A. One 2020 Washington Post article reads, Stephen Gilpin was one of Trump University's instructors. He recalled sitting in on another instructor's class shortly after joining the school in 2007. It was nothing more than an upsell, he said, laden with false promises. I thought, oh my God, we're all going to be arrested, Gilpin said. Now he and others, the Trump administration is trying a similar tactic again by asking people to believe Trump's rosy predictions about the pandemic in the face of an increasingly grim reality. It's the same thing he does today, said Gilpin, who left the school in 2011. His behavior has now become our norm. The costs range from $1,500 for a three-day seminar to $35,000 for a gold elite mentoring program. 
One instructor, James Harris, justified the charges this way according to a 2008 transcript of a class held in Atlanta that was later filed as an exhibit in a lawsuit. The money wasn't for Trump's benefit. It was for the students' benefit. They had to pay Trump, he said, to show they were investing in themselves. He is doing this so you assume personal responsibility for doing the work, Harris said, according to the transcript. Harris did not respond to questions sent via email for this report. In 2016, he told the Post, I was told to do one thing as a Trump University instructor, make sure everyone bought more Trump University seminars. That is it. Other students such as Valley Dean said that she was told it was a great investment and yet in the end, she had no property, no valid tax liens and not enough skills to become a real estate investor. She paid more than $30,000, but ended with nothing. It was a bitter thing for me. Here I am, I am a lowly school teacher, public school teacher. Donald Trump is according to him, a very rich man, Dean said. Now, here I am having to pay money back for enriching someone that's already rich. She complained in a letter to the Justice Department that was submitted as evidence in a New York Attorney General's lawsuit. And I promise we will get to that lawsuit in just a moment. I just wanted to focus on the experiences first. After all, it's one thing for the students to complain, but it's a whole other thing when even former workers have called the school a lie and a scheme. Trump University had a sales playbook in which they describe how to take advantage of people. An excerpt called The Art of the Set reads, "'We use a two-part sales process to set and close a client. The first conversation between a consultant and the client is designed to qualify the client, build a relationship of trust, and set up the program director to close the sale.'" This sales process is based on managing the emotions of the client by focusing on the psychology of the sale. I understand that this is how any salesperson operated to some extent, I really do. To some extent, you've got to gain a person's trust, have a connection, friendly banter, and all that stuff in order to secure a sale. Yet it feels like this is more of an MLM tactic than it is trying to actually help someone. Like if Trump University is really about financial empowerment, why are the costs so astronomical? Why are there so many complaints? From what I can gather, it's selling people seminars that they may debatably find useful for a price and offer them very little. Trump was able to get away with this and start this in the first place because, hey, his name was on the company, he aligned himself with it, and he was trusted. However, it's worth noting that not every former student feels this way. I'm not saying they had a good experience, but it hasn't changed their mind about Trump. According to that Washington Post article, the questionable tactics used by Trump University did not diminish some former students' opinions of him. Any more than political setbacks have upset his base. Some interviewed for this report said Trump's political record was good enough to outweigh their bad experience at Trump University. Trump 2020 said Michael Sheehan of New York State. In 2009, Sheehan paid $1,495 to attend a three-day Trump University seminar at a Marriott in Albany, New York then discovered it was one long sales pitch for more expensive programs. Trump was a big sham, Sheehan wrote in 2012, summing up his experience in a court affidavit. Now, Sheehan said, he doesn't blame Trump for Trump University. The instructors were probably at fault, he said. I don't think he sat there and said, hey, I want you to rip everybody off. Whether Sheehan blames Trump or not, I do believe he holds responsibility for at least his own words and actions. He promised students would find success, that teachers would be handpicked, and this would be better than the best schools out there in that advertisement. I mean, for fuck's sake, Trump owned 93% of this company and he acted as chief promoter. His name was on the company itself, so let's not pretend he had no idea what was going on. Now then, on to the lawsuits and investigations. As I mentioned earlier, Trump University was told in 2005 that they were violating the New York State Department of Education by using the word university when it wasn't chartered as one. 
SED said that they had no physical presence in New York State, AKA they were just online, like how Prager University operates, then they wouldn't be subject to the license requirement, according to my source. In June, 2005, Sexton informed SED that Trump University would merge its operation into a new Delaware LLC, and it would indeed cease holding live programming in New York State. However, the attorney general alleges Trump University failed to abide by any of these conditions. To the contrary, it alleged that despite Sexton's assurances to the attorney general, SED learned in 2009 through newspaper advertisements and a student complaint to the New York State Attorney General that Trump University was continuing to provide live programming and instruction in New York without obtaining proper licensing or moving its operations out of New York. In March, 2010, SED sent Trump University another letter demanding that it cease using the word university in its name. In May, 2010, five years after SED had informed respondents that they were obliged to drop the word university, Trump University filed a certificate of amendment to its articles of incorporation, thus formally changing its name to TEI. In August and September, 2010, SED once again informed TEI that the company needed a license to operate, which it still did not have, despite having been notified in 2005 that its failure to obtain a license violated New York state law. On October 7th, 2010, Sexton informed SED that TEI had ceased operations. TEI or the Trump Entrepreneur Initiative at no point had a license. This wasn't a case of, oh, hey, they took a little while to get one and made a mistake and realized they were using false advertising. I mean, they essentially just ran with a fake university seminar for five years, that's it. There's no excuse for that. If these people are such fantastic businessmen, then they should have already checked in with the laws in their state and made sure they were abiding by them correctly. And they weren't. There's hardly anything more to it. They just simply were not following the law. Not only that, but Trump's advertising was as equally misleading as the claims he made, according to one source. In one advertisement published in 2009, Trump looks resplendent in a blue suit while standing in front of one of the buildings that bear his name, but not his ownership on Manhattan's west side. Learn from Donald Trump's handpick experts how you can profit from the largest real estate liquidation in history, the ad promises. He was presumably not referring to the chapter 11 filings of the three highly leveraged hotel and casino properties he once had a stake in. The ad pronounced Trump the most celebrated entrepreneur on earth. He's earned more in a day than most people do in a lifetime. And now he's ready to share with Americans like you, the Trump process for investing in today's once in a lifetime real estate market. Not only did he never handpick anyone, but the people chosen were, at least in some cases, not even certified teachers by the state of New York. Although this all started in New York, we're actually going to get to their response in just a bit. It was Texas that was the first to act against Trump back in 2010. According to Dallas Morning News, the state's Consumer Protection Division sought permission in May 2010 to pursue a strong case to sue Donald Trump and Trump University for bilking Texas taxpayers out of $2.6 million, but the suit was never filed. Their 2016 article states, instead, the investigation Abbott had opened into a now defunct real estate training program and Trump, now the presumptive Republican nominee for president was dropped and Trump University agreed to cease operations in Texas. The former deputy director Abbott's consumer protection division now alleges that the attorney general's office decision to squash the lawsuit against Trump, later a major donor to Abbott's campaign was a political move that left Texas consumers high and dry. The decision not to sue him was political, John Owens told the Dallas Morning News. Had Trump not been involved in politics to the extent he was at the time, he would have gotten approval. He was just some other scam artist, we would have sued him. 
Abbott's communications director, Matt Hirsch, responded to Owen's allegations late Thursday saying, the Texas Attorney General's office investigated Trump U and its demands were met. Trump U was forced out of Texas and consumers were protected. It's absurd to suggest any connection between a case that has been closed and a donation to Governor Abbott. I don't know if it's just my computer or the article or what, but for some reason, the quotation just cuts off there. It just seems to be photo, boom, cut off the quote. But that's what we can easily gather is that Matt Hirsch pretty much said that a donation to the governor had nothing to do with the same case that they were worried about being closed. Sure, sure it didn't. It's um, just really suspicious, isn't it? Whether or not it's true that this was the case and it was just closed because of his campaign or the fact that it was you know, closed at all because there wasn't evidence against him, it's, it's just very worrying. It's just an uncomfortable situation. Hell, it's especially worrying because to have someone running for president with those kinds of allegations against him simply dismissed sets a real precedent for saying, hey, this person can just get away with anything. According to internal documents provided to the Dallas Morning News about the state's investigation into Trump University, The Consumer Protection Division filed a formal request on May 6, 2010 to sue both Trump and his namesake real estate program. Five days later, it set out settlement options to help Texas taxpayers get back more than the $2.6 million they spent on seminars and materials, plus another 2.8 million in penalties and fees. Both requests were denied, an unusual decision, Owen says, that were made at the top of the agency. The refusal of the administration to do anything stunk, said Owens, a career state employee who worked under three attorneys general and received a commendation for having greatly contributed to the accomplishments of our office from Abbott upon his retirement in 2011. We routinely got approval to sue people. We routinely went after bogus schools that offered false diplomas, he added. Documents detailing internal discussions among Texas lawyers charged with protecting consumers shed new light after an Associated Press report that detailed how Abbott's investigation into Trump University was quietly dropped in 2010. A few years later, the AP reported Abbott received a $35,000 in donations from the billionaire real estate mogul for his successful gubernatorial bid. The AP noted a similar set of circumstances surrounding Trump's donations to Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi. Hundreds of Texans paid millions for useless information, some of which wasn't even applicable to the Texas market, AG investigators wrote in 2010. Such practices could get Trump's university students in trouble with state regulators for practicing real estate without a license, the division learned upon its investigation of Trump University. And look, I'm not going to say that 100%, this is why Trump got involved in politics. I've got no proof of it, I'm not gonna speculate that. But let me put a massive disclaimer right here and just say, I find it incredibly suspicious that Trump was so heavily involved with politics with people who just, you know, by the sounds of it, should be suing him. Some point to the 2011 correspondence dinner where Obama humiliated Trump as a villain origin story. Trump says he ran for himself and others say it was an effort to gain stature. Personally, seeing this earlier involvement with governors has me questioning a lot if he liked the influence he had just to make these you know, lawsuits disappear and just wanted more of it. Like, I genuinely wonder if it was all just a big old power trip for him. But however, while they may have seemingly vanished in Texas, that wasn't the case in New York state. Finally, in 2013, another lawsuit was brought against Trump University and this one wasn't going anywhere. In August, 2013, New York State filed a $40 million lawsuit against Trump and others involved with running Trump University. It was referred to as an unlicensed education organization from 2005 to 2011, making false claims about its classes in what was described as an elaborate bait and switch. 
In a statement, Eric T. Schneiderman, the attorney general said, Mr. Trump appeared in advertisements for the school making false promises to persuade more than 5,000 people around the country, including 600 New Yorkers, to spend tens of thousands of dollars they couldn't afford for lessons they never got. The inquiry into Trump University came to light in May, 2011, after dozens of people had complained to authorities in New York, Texas, Florida, and Illinois about the institution, which attracted prospective students with the promise of a free 90-minute seminar about real estate investing that, according to the lawsuit, served as a sales pitch for a three-day seminar costing $1,495. This three-day seminar was itself an upsell, the lawsuit said, for increasingly costing Trump elite packages that included so-called personal mentorship programs at $35,000 a course. On Saturday evening, Michael Cohen, a lawyer for Mr. Trump, denied the accusations in the lawsuit and said the school had received 11,000 evaluations, 98% of which rated students as extremely satisfied. George Soriel, another lawyer for Mr. Trump, called the lawsuit politically motivated. He said that Mr. Schneiderman had asked Mr. Trump and his family for campaign contributions and grew angry when denied. This is tantamount to extortion, Mr. Soriel said. Andrew Friedman, a spokesman for the attorney general's office, said that although Mr. Schneiderman had accepted a contribution from Mr. Trump in the past, the fact that he's still brave enough to follow the investigation wherever it may lead speaks to Mr. Schneiderman's character. Whether or not this was at all politically motivated, I can't say for sure. Trump did file a complaint against the state attorney general when this all happened, but Trump's complaint was eventually dismissed. I can't be sure if it's because Snyderman didn't violate any ethics rules in what he did, or if it's because Trump was straight up lying, but either way, the lawsuit absolutely needed to be filed, and I'm glad it was. Of course, Trump had a lot more doubt about Snyderman aside from this. One Vanity Fair article writes, at a press conference announcing the suit, Schneiderman claimed that Mr. Trump used his celebrity status and personally appeared in commercials, making false promises to convince people to spend tens of thousands of dollars they couldn't afford for lessons they never got. Trump wasted little time in responding, hitting the airwaves to call into question Schneiderman's character. He's a political hack, Trump told Fox and Friends and his motivation for filing the suit. Trump claims that Schneiderman cooked up the lawsuit after visiting with President Obama, the target of much of Trump's political ire, recall Trump's birther non-bombshell in upstate New York. They met on a Thursday and Schneiderman filed the lawsuit that Saturday, leaving Trump incredulous. It's a hell of a coincidence, he tells me. You meet and then you immediately file a lawsuit and the lawsuit is filed not on a Monday or a Tuesday, but on a Saturday. I've had a lot of litigation. I've never heard of a lawsuit being filed on a Saturday. Schneiderman said the suit was filed on a Saturday specifically because Trump and his attorneys asked him to hold off to allow Trump to leak his side of the story in advance to the Saturday editions of the New York Post and Wall Street Journal. Schneiderman, if anything, was doing Trump a favor by allowing him time to respond. And as for that 98% approval rating, however, that's blatantly untrue. One article states, In a sworn deposition, Director of Operations Mark Corvaeus conceded that nearly a third of students who took three-day seminars from Trump instructors demanded and received refunds before Trump University changed its policy. The company had issued 2,144 refunds to 6,698 attendees of the 1495 three-day program, or 32%. That a third of the customers demanded refunds is hard to reconcile with a claimed 98% satisfaction rate, especially since the mass of plaintiffs now suing claimed that they too wanted refunds, but were, they claimed, told they could not get them because they did not ask for them within 72 hours of the first day of participating in the program. 
similarly, the refund rate for the $34,995 program, which according to the lawsuit was tougher on giving money back was 16%. If at least 31% of one group and 16% of another were instantly dissatisfied that they immediately demanded refunds, how could 98% have been satisfied? Unfortunately, there's not really an answer for this one. I've got no idea how Trump got those numbers when they're just obviously untrue. From what I can tell, it was because of surveys offered during the program as opposed to afterwards when participants could have realized the programs couldn't help them. That's like if you went to a restaurant, they gave you a glass of water and some amazing breadsticks, then asked for a review of how they're doing. Of course, you give them five stars, hoping there'll be more good things to come, but then your meal is overpriced and it gives you food poisoning. Nope, you gave them a positive review already, so you're stuck in that 98%. Others say they gave their instructor a positive review because quote, I believe that that was the only way to get my certificates of completion for the seminars that I attended. The evaluations did not reflect my actual opinions on the courses. Ask for a review when a service is completed. Isn't that the basics of how to do a proper review? Of course, someone's going to give a positive one when it's not anonymous and if they're worried about, you know, by speaking out that they won't get what they paid for. The point is that the lawsuits were starting to stack up, although I wanted to address the ones coming from these states themselves first. There were two class actions also brought against Trump as well. But before we dive into those civil suits, let's just take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sometimes I just don't have the energy to cook, especially when it comes to eating healthy. And trust me with Uber Eats and DoorDash, Postmates, well, is Postmates dead now? With all of those services out there to just deliver something unhealthy, greasy, and it's gonna make you sick later in the day, there's just, it feels like there's not many alternatives. That's why I'm extremely grateful for Daily Harvest because Daily Harvest delivers delicious food built on organic fruits and veggies right to your door. And it takes minutes to prepare, so it's even faster than the delivery services. And it's going to make you think twice before eating the bad stuff again. And Daily Harvest offers smoothies, flatbreads, and even harvest bowls and soups. And they're quite delicious, might I add. And Daily Harvest never uses preservatives, added sugars, or artificial anything, including their recently launched almond milk, which is made of only almonds and a dash of sea salt. That's it. Daily Harvest is also committed to minimizing their environmental impact. They're in the process of transitioning to 100% compostable, recyclable, plant-based, and renewable fiber packaging so that it's good for you and good for the environment too. So if you wanna get started today, make sure to go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code casket to get $25 off your first box. Again, that's promo code casket for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. This episode is also sponsored by Babbel. Now, for most of us, learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a highlight of our academic careers. Like I told you guys, I tried to take a Japanese class and it did not work well for me at all. Now, thanks to Babbel, the number one selling language learning app, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family or friends, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. And those bite-sized lessons, by the way, are about 15 minutes, and it's really a perfect way to learn a new language, even if you're on the go, like in the car driving or something like that. And what's also really cool is it takes away a lot of the like preemptive stress that at least I get when it comes to learning a new language. It just like takes it away because I know it's only 15 minutes. Babbel designs their courses with practical real world conversations in mind. So it's things you'll actually be able to use in everyday life. A lot of other learning language apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were actually created by over 100 different language experts. 
And their teaching method has actually been scientifically proven to be effective too. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent as well. So start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. And right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. And that's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code allies. And that's spelled A-L-L-I-E-S. And Babbel, by the way, is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Code allies, extra three months for free. Babbel, language for life. At Trump University, we teach success. That's what it's all about, success. It's going to happen to you. Donald Trump is without question the world's most famous businessman. As a real estate developer, he has reshaped the New York skyline with some of that great city's most prestigious. One of these suits was filed by Tarla Makoff, who paid almost $60,000 at Trump University. I won't list off every single issue Tarla had with Trump University in the suit, but here are some of the highlights. Contrary to defendants' representations, many of the seminar instructors and mentors were not experienced in real estate. In fact, many had little to no personal real estate experience and most had not engaged in the vast majority of the real estate techniques they were teaching. In fact, these instructors and mentors were predominantly professional salespeople hired for their ability to deliver a hard sell sales presentation and paid exclusively on commission based on the percent of sales they delivered. Trump's best speakers earned commissions of $30,000 or more per month. Defendants enhance, misrepresent, and in certain instances, completely fabricate student testimonials. They also continue to use testimonials in which it knows are no longer true. In addition, Trump's testimonials often list gross profit rather than net profit, which is highly misleading. Indeed, when expenses are taken into account, many of these success stories have not really made any money at all. Many of Trump University's testimonials violated FTC regulations and requirements. Gross profit is, of course, how many sales are made and how much money these people make before subtracting costs. Net profit is the actual profit when you take away the cost of the employees, electricity, renting a location, all of that stuff. This reminds me a ton of MLMs as well, since even if distributors say they're making money, when you consider how much they have to pay to even make a sale, is not that great. But back to the lawsuit. Trump University print advertisements were reviewed and authorized by Donald Trump before they were released and contained quotes from Donald J. Trump himself, including, I can turn anyone into a successful real estate investor, including you, Donald Trump. During the seminar, the speakers pressured students to raise their credit card limits as much as four times their current limits during class breaks so that they could be ready to immediately purchase property. Trump University representatives do not tell students that they are likely to incur finance charges, interest fees, and late fees by charging this expensive seminar on their credit cards. Trump University also does not tell students that by increasing their credit limits, they could damage their credit scores. Trump is liable, that's kind of it. I don't really see how someone can believe otherwise, and yet somehow Trump University thought otherwise and filed a defamation claim against her for this. Thankfully, the defamation case was obviously, well, bullshit because it can't be defamation if it's true. Instead, Trump was ordered to pay about $800,000 to Tarla instead of this for all the court fees because as obvious as it was, the case still took years before the defamation suit was dismissed. As a side note, I feel horrible for Tarla here because she has absolutely been through the ringer. 
There's articles where she expresses wanting to withdraw simply because she's tired of the case and wants her life back. He's spoken poorly about everyone against him in the case on national television, even the judge. He claimed that the judge is so harsh on him because the judge does have Mexican ancestry and he's harsh on border control. Even though the judge, Gonzalo Curiel, was born in the States in Indiana. I guess Trump believed it was Curiel's race that made him discriminate against Trump in court. He comes across as very childish, referring to the judge as a hater and a Mexican in a derogatory manner. Curiel has actually put his life at risk to fight the scourge of drugs from Mexico. So saying he isn't impartial because of his race is pretty ridiculous. Not to mention, it's not as if all his decisions have been against Trump either. There was a media request for Trump's depositions in these civil cases, but Curiel rejected the media request because he knew it would likely be used for political campaigns. Trump's attorney stated that video would serve no legal purpose in the case, but would instead be used against their client during the campaign and would taint the jury pool for the scheduled trial in the case. Curiel found that those arguments had some merit and that courts have held that video should be held to a higher standard for release than written transcripts. He wrote that it is nigh inevitable that excerpts from the videos would be used in media reports and political ads nationwide, increasing the likelihood that prospective jurors would be exposed to the material before the trial. He wrote that although there is a legitimate public interest by the media in the content of the tapes, that interest can largely be served through the transcripts of Trump's testimony. So for Trump to argue that Curiel is against him doesn't hold water because I do believe that this, if anything, is proof that he was making unbiased decisions in the case. However, we're going to move on and discuss yet another civil suit in regards to Trump University. According to my source, Art Cohen sued Trump in October, 2013 for misrepresentation. He says, as we expected, that Trump didn't teach his students secrets, didn't contribute in any meaningful way to the curriculum of live events and didn't handpick the instructors. Trump unsuccessfully argued that individualized determinations will need to be met to determine whether the statute of limitations bars class members' claims. He claimed that Cohen could have known as early as July, 2009, that Trump University was not an actual university. Based on the facts that Cohen was not looking for a diploma, the seminars were in a hotel, and Cohen had not made any inquiries into the accreditation status of the university. Judge Curiel was not persuaded. The court has found a nucleus of common issues and is not convinced at this point that the inquiry into whether the individual class members in this case knew or should have known about the fraudulent scheme as alleged in the present action will require individualized determinations or may depend on facts peculiar to each case. So Trump basically said, hey, we know we're not a real university. You should have known that. Like, come on. If you know you're not a real university, then don't act like one. Don't pretend to be one. Don't call yourself a university. Don't charge university prices. Like, come on, it can't be that hard to understand. Trump tried to delay this case until he was sworn into office as president, but Curiel denied this. Even Trump's attorneys admitted that this was completely uncharted territory as no US president or president elect has ever come to court before under similar circumstances. Finally, in November, 2016, all the cases were settled for $25 million, both the civil suits, as well as the lawsuit filed by the New York Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman. $21 million of that went into reimbursing those in the California class action lawsuits, whereas New York was only given $3 million to repay people not covered, and 1 million was for violating the education law. 
I won't pretend that no one has been satisfied with Trump University, but I've only seen three testimonies point out by Trump himself, obviously, that have advocated for this company. Far more have called it a complete joke, a scam, and that the three that eventually vouch for him actually have very questionable testimony as they appear to have personal relationships with Trump or his lawyers. If anyone listening to this knows anyone that went to Trump University and genuinely believed it was fairly represented in advertisements and it was worth the money, like, hey, that's fantastic. And I'm glad you got your money's worth. But the fact that finding these unbiased people that actually benefited from Trump University is proving near impossible. Well, it says a lot to me about how the university truly operated. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. And if you want more from me, including connecting outside of these episodes, make sure you're clicking on my Linktree link in my description box. It's going to have all of the links for all of my social media and current projects that I'm involved in. So thank you all so much for making it to another episode. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.